0: Continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast.
1: From Fox 4, Kansas City, this is the Crazology Podcast. The first band I ever formed was when I was 16 years old, and this band was terrible called ourselves walking on rooftops, and we literally were just three guitars and a bass. We even had a t-shirt with a picture of Cheese that said, We're not cheesy. No drummer, maybe one original song. We had no idea what we were doing besides telling people we were in a band. But we did have that t-shirt. I think we played a total of four shows before one of our guitar players moved off to college, but it still felt like we were doing something, going somewhere. It was a start. It wasn't until much later that I realized it wasn't anything special, but I was 16. We played four whole shows. And I only tell you this story because today's episode is with the band Yes You Are. Not only is the band's music much better than anything I've ever created, one of the people I'm talking to helped create a band more than 10 years ago that was wildly popular. More on that in a bit. But she and her husband started another band whose videos and music have thousands of views and likes. And their first full-length album is just a month old. Today I'm talking with Kiana Allarid and Jared White. But before we get to our interview, let's check out You're the One off Yes You Are's prequel album, Here's to the Great Unknowns.
2: Patience in the are what you sin? I the world up, but I it how to spin and set you spin up.
1: first thing i wanted to ask you guys is band name is yes you are Mm -hmm. so where what's the origin behind the actual band name
3: that was a lyric in one of our first songs uh just the song ended with us saying yes you are repeatedly and somehow it just wound up on a list of probably 70 band names and uh, at the end of the day we just we had a show booked and we didn't have a name so we uh threw it to our youngest member who at the time was like 20. He's pretty hip. And he asked all his (laughs) friends and they all agreed that was the coolest one. So
1: (laughs) you guys were writing as a duo then before you actually had the band all together. Exactly.
3: We had written about 20 songs, I think before we ever even had another member come into the picture.
1: So, yeah. So why, why bring in more people then if, if why not just keep it as like a duo and then the other people are just hired out musicians. (laughs) <laughs> Getting
4: too real.
1: <laughs> no, we just now, wanted to
3: play, you know.
1: I don't know. They're they're our friends,
4: and I don't know. We want to uh, we want to always be known as yes, you are our duo, or e- even just Kiana as an artist, or a
3: band. It's a kind of like yeah, entity is not specific. It's just kind of we're the writers, and you know, the owners of the, the band, and um, kind of whatever iteration that turns up as is kind of. It's news to us every time, you know, so today we're two people and it's always going to be us too. So a, a lot of times I'm the, you know, kind of the front person of the band. So a lot of people think it's just me, but it's like, that's not true. But also it's not really worth explaining to everybody all the time either. So it's like, if they think it's me, I'm, yes, you are. That's fine. If it's both of us or if it's a band, that's fine too.
1: What are your guys, band, have your bandmates ever talked about this with you before? Um...
4: No, not really. Not really. I mean, every, it, as, it, as it develops, everyone kind of it just gets into their role as, the more it goes on, you know. Um, so...
3: It is interesting because it's when two people write and you've written so much work and then the other members kind of come in and learn, you would think of that as like a hired situation. But it's like we didn't want that. We wanted to have a band, you know. We wanted, you know, we look to the Rolling Stones or something like that as like... Is just a cool ideal to be, you know, a band of people who, like, all contribute, but...
4: Yeah, the Stones are who we're after. For sure.
1: (laughs) So you guys just mentioned Stones, and I've heard you in other interviews mention Stones before. Is that, like, a big influence for you guys?
3: I would say so. Yeah. I mean, there's still... Here's the thing. Like, I don't... I don't know how to put this nicely, but... Like, I love Kurt Cobain, but you know, I, I don't think of him as somebody whose steps I want to follow in necessarily. Mm. Certainly, you know, I want the longevity of a career and of a life. You know what I'm saying? Like, I want to be doing this until we're like, they are, they're like 70 years old on stage. They still have not going. slowed down, you know? Yeah. So we look to people like the stones or Bob Dylan who are still doing that and and they made it somehow. So you want to, you want to look to them for advice and say like, Hmm, what did they do? Like, how did they, how did they keep that going?
1: I guess I was also curious, how come you guys chose pop where you use, you're you're using a lot of synths, you're using a lot of electronic. Why not just go with a more broken down sound or using more um, acoustic instruments in, in your recordings?
4: That's a great question. You're touching on all the things that uh, keep me up at night. (laughs) (laughs) Reluctantly,
3: I will say we are pop.
4: But um, it's, uh, it's just how it happened with, you know, when you work with producers, um, you, you got to let them do what they do. You can't try to change them or anything. You just got to let them go where they're going to go with it. And, uh, and we're, you know, we're not 100% thrilled with how our sound has kind of come out so far, but it's like we also, just like our songs. And we actually, most, all of our songs could probably be be produced in any way.
3: It could be country songs, it could be pop songs, it could be straightforward rock songs. And, you know, like you said in the beginning, it was just us two writing and neither of us are producers. We're we're getting more involved in that side of it as mm -hmm. we learn. Mm -hmm. But, you know, we had to work with who we knew and who was close or who we had relationships with. And it turned out all those people kind of fit that Genre. And like he said, you can't, you know, you, you can't change who they are either. So you have to collaborate. And, you know, we got to a place where we were all happy. We thought we could do as much as we could with, with those people. And that's just how they turned out. And
4: it's like a bloom where you're planted type of thing.
3: Exactly. It's
4: like here we are. Let's just make the best of it. And, uh, and it's, you know, it's, it's interesting too, because like the first time we ever heard our, our song, our, what he wanted to do with our, our song HGX. Um, we both, like, our, our stomachs dropped, and we just, like, got real depressed, and we like were, serious, like...
3: almost like a breakdown. I was, like, nobody understands And we,
4: we were just, uh, you know, sitting there, and we were both in... We went to separate rooms of this apartment. To cry. <laughs> and just... <laughs> we were just thinking and stuff, and then... It, it's, like, a few hours later... It somehow started playing again, you know, and from the computer... And uh, we both came out into the hallway, and we're like, "Wait a minute, this this could work." <laughs> <And> <laughs> like, I was like,
3: "Wait, is this really good? Oh my gosh!" And then you know, of course, fortunately, that's the song that's landed us yeah. a bunch of spots. You know, so you like he said, "You bloom where you planted." And otherwise, what are we going to do? Just not release music? It's like we're figuring out who we are as a band. That's I don't think thing. we should keep it. Just because we're not entirely happy, I don't think we should keep it to ourselves. And, it's like,
4: and it, it is a process to get to where you you know, a craft of, you know, to get to where you want the music sounding. To you know, what, that doesn't sound. Right. Well, we
3: finally. You have know what I'm dessert. saying
4: though. No? Yeah. It's like it takes a while to to capture what how you want it, and we haven't done it yet. Um, but. I don't know. There's a We're
3: very close. We have a new
4: There's new stuff we're working on that that is fine we're finally there. But yeah. uh
3: The album we just released, Here's to the Great Unknowns, is basically a bunch of songs that we
4: just from this time period we're talking about of us trying to figure out.
3: That we're kind of a struggle to get on board with 100%. And so basically we just thought we would never release them. The songs
4: we like. it's Songs are great. Production. Gritty. You know,
3: they're solid. But the production, like you said, sounded a little bit too on that that end of the spectrum. And we just always felt like an indie band. I mean, I was, I was always in, in indie indie bands making that kind of music. I make all my demos on GarageBand. <laughs> and I know that's like the probably the worst way to make music, but like... They all had a sound to them that really had a certain magic. And we would take those to producers and they, you know, kind of spin them into these like slick things.
4: And that's what they did.
3: And that's what they did. And they did great. But like we sort of kept wanting that rougher sound to be there. And we just didn't get it.
4: Yeah. Yeah.
3: But now we have somebody we're working with. And the reason that's kind of a prelude, this new Mm -hmm. album, we don't like to call it a demo. We like to call it a prelude because...
4: Debut, you mean. uh,
3: what would i say a demo demo art we don't like to call it a debut album we like to call it a prelude because it's we have a whole new album ready another album like almost ready to put out so So
4: it's a it's a prelude in the sense of like it is the songs of us figuring out who we are and how and navigating out of how we're going to get the sound we want and um, and the productions aren't are, it's not a knock on the producers, producers it's, it's are like amazing. they're they're great and and talented and and it's good for for what it is it's just like what it is isn't my favorite thing you know what I'm saying mm-hmm. which is you know weird
1: yeah i mean that you're kind of describing like a very strange situation because it's almost sounding like you're not even a huge fan Mm -hmm. of your own music
0: Mm -hmm.
1: do you feel that way i'm a huge
4: fan of our songs i'm becoming a, a huge fan of the music too
3: with these new things, we're we're really, like, mm-hmm. loving it. We're like, this, like, I could cry. This sounds exactly like what I... It's even better. Like, this producer really just kind of... It just t- turned out that he kind of... His tendencies were, like, what we would do. He kind of does something before we even say it. Like, he's just... We're on with him. You know what I mean? So these songs are coming back for the next album. Just, we love them. But I think, really, if you ask any artist, you know, do you love your work? Do you listen to your... Do you love... It's like, they're not gonna... It's really not up to us to love our work. Like, we we're being inspired from wherever that comes from. And I think our job as an artist is to be a channel to that and put it out. So if we don't put it out, that means we're not really doing that part of our job. We're getting in the way saying that's what, we have an opinion on it. We don't like it. So we're not going to put it out. And that's not really that's our what, business. and
4: So that's why we decided to put them out because they're just like, this is just how, how it was supposed to be. And it's, it's, uh, they're, they're well crafted and it's not up to us if, you know, to decide it's,
3: and it's going to do the songs will do their job, you know, regardless of what they sound like. You know, there was this book called radio free album youth. That's a Philip K. Dick precursor to his later work called Vallis It's real far out stuff, but he had this idea that he would put an encoded, s- song out there he was like a an engineer at a at a record studio and um he would encrypt it with like information this is all during like cold war kind of stuff and he would encrypt it with this information and put it out there and it would somehow save the world and um then the idea got nixed by the the radio station but somehow it got played anyway and he knew it was too late nobody could stop that it already happened See what I'm saying? So it's like the, the songs have a job and they're going to do that job whether we like how they sound or not. You know, they've, they're going to reach whoever they're meant to reach. They have a purpose.
1: So I'm curious if you guys change up the sound then when you're playing live as much as you can, or do you try and keep it somewhat close so that your fans who have heard it, um, heard it from the album mm-hmm. or heard some of your demos that you've dropped, uh, do, you, do you keep it somewhat close to appease them or yeah. do you just do whatever you want? we keep it somewhat close
3: I mean it's it's weird too because I also think the songs are fun like and, even though they're yeah. not exactly what we wanted I I can enjoy them and I like and, to play them
4: And live it uh it just n- naturally seems to take on a rougher sound too It sounds
3: grittier when we play live anyway mm. so even if we you know try to incorporate all those like pop elements like it's still we're still a rock band on stage there's no denying that we don't we're not up there like Selena Gomez or something okay. but, like it comes across as a rock band
4: but that sure. has been the issue I think for us so far is with the sound of the music it's it's too pop sounding for people who like indie music or alternative music and it's a little too weird for people who like pop music <laughs> <laughs> And so but people seem to know that there's something going on with it, you know? But it's like it just I just don't we haven't we're just now like we were talking about just now starting to hit the sweet spot.
0: Mm-hmm.
4: You know, it takes time to to get to where you're trying to go, you know. <laughs> well,
1: let's go back to one of those that you guys already brought up, HGX. First big song that really mm-hmm. got out there as Yes You Are What was the whole – what was your original idea behind it, and what did it end up being after – the production and all that stuff.
3: That's, that's a great, that's a great one to listen to the demo too, which I think is included in the, um, deluxe deluxe version of our album, which is available only on our website. You can buy it from us either on hard copy or download Mm -hmm. and you actually get all 12 songs from here's to the great unknowns, but you also get 12 demos. So you get to hear like the first versions of the songs and um, how
4: we were envisioning how we, Mm -hmm. but that's
3: one that's almost identical. It's kind of weird. Besides the fact that it started H-6. sounding, yeah, it's the. I mean, the song is like exactly, mm-hmm. you know.
4: I, I disagree. You disagree?
3: <laughs> well, I mean, like all the hooks are there. Oh like, yeah, all yeah. the same parts. Oh well, yeah, the then, song you know, is there,
4: but it's like the production. We we were thinking it much more like
3: kind of tribal, tribal like. Yeah. 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 Mm. But the cool dun, dun, thing. Dun, 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 dun.
4: But you know, and he, but he made it kind of a what a, what it whatever is. Whatever it is,
3: the cool <laughs> thing about that is that was one of our first songs we ever wrote together. And um, he he had been asking me who my favorite artists were. And I told him Timbaland was like my one of my f- just favorite, like ideal people to work with. So he basically wrote what he thought sounded like a Timbaland mm. beat and like a Timbaland song. And of course, like when you try to do something like that through your own filter, it, that's not how it sounded to me when I heard it. But I was like, this is awesome. You know what I mean? So that's a fun exercise that we do sometimes. Like he's been listening to Lana Del Rey recently. Just like, how would I write a song? that sounded like that and then the Mm. thing is is like it never will sound like that it will never turn out sounding like that but it'll sound like what Jared
4: yeah it just comes through you uh, it gets filtered through you and becomes its own thing but it's a great way to write it's like try to write for
3: another voice
4: everybody a lot most all right songwriters do it I'm sure but like one of the famous I just heard a story about McCartney Paul McCartney uh, he would just he, he read in a paper that the, someone said, the loudest, nastiest rock band ever, talking about The Who. And he's like, mm, I want to write a loud, nasty. And so he was just trying to be The Who and wrote Helter Skelter, you know.
1: <laughs> so that's a great way to write. <laughs> All right, let's check it out. This is HGX from Yes You Are.
2: They must have got me. First and second, Johnny rotten. Sing a song I have forgotten. It hey, Judas, the last temptation. Three times three is revelation. We do it cause it feels right. Do whatever we are into Put your hands upon my body Make me so Illuminati Move do coastal not come off it Ride it till you turn a profit Ride it clear across the ocean And feel that holy ghost explosion We do it cause it feels
1: Kiana, you played with Tilly and the Wall and was kind, you were kind of in this big world touring band. What was it like to stop that and to start over with something that's completely fresh and brand new?
3: Um, well, I can say this now because it's, you know, 10 years ago that that happened where Tilly was, like you said, we were touring eight months out of the year. We were um, going overseas overseas three times a year, and it just it just wore everybody down after doing that for about three years straight with adding mm-hmm. in the, you know, the world touring. And um, two of the band members started, you know, having their family, and it just seemed like the right time to take a break. And I thought... And our manager, Chili's manager, we thought we would do... Like, I would do a solo project because I wasn't starting a family yet, and I still wanted to be busy. And um, so we started working on that. And just every just just didn't work out. Like I got to pick, hand pick my favorite producer in the whole world who I'm friends with now and so grateful. I went to Sweden to work with this guy and just nothing worked out. It just didn't feel right.
4: You've told me you just realized, oh my gosh, I have nothing to say.
3: I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> I have no idea what I'm saying. With When you have a band like Tilly that has five writers and you guys are just like, whatever. I mean, not saying it wasn't serious. Like we took our work seriously, but like, you know, we just uh, had this energy that would just create, it's just like combustion, you know, center that would just create stuff, you know? So I just was like, okay, I'll just do that without them. And then it's like, not quite the same. And also when you have five voices, you kind of don't have to take um ownership of what you're saying. You're kind of like, we're all saying, we're all saying this. And, you know, so I just realized like, and long story short, I mean, I fell into like my first bout of depression. I had, um, just started, you know, came out of that, just like having an epiphany about, you know, like a soul searching kind of thing that I needed to do and, and just kind of kept having these like, re- almost like religious experiences that really shook me to the core and changed who I am as a person. And, um, started studying every kind of esoteric thing that you can imagine and just in search of the truth. Like, I think that's what artists are supposed to be saying It's like, we're supposed to be saying the truth. And I just didn't, I didn't know what that was before my life. had just, I'd stumbled into this fun band. We stumbled into a record contract. We had the booking agent, the public. We had, it was all just part of the deal. Not even hard to get, just fell into our laps. And I had fun for like a decade. <laughs> and like, after that, I'm like, wait, that doesn't just happen. Like,
4: yeah, that, to yeah, <laughs> that's what I think the funniest part is. It's like, um, I mean, I don't know how long it was. You, you probably played around town for like a few months. And then Connor Oberst, you know, did what he did. And...
3: uh He was like on the cover and of Spin Magazine. Who they were friends
4: yeah. with. Who they were just... Had kind of grown up with and were friends with. And then he just... Signed them immediately and took them on tour, and just immediately they had a huge following. He's
3: just, like, How would you guys and, like to be the first band on my brand new label? Or, like, uh, first of all, like he said, I mean, I've known him since he was like a younger I don't want to say a child because he wasn't <laughs> a child, but like, you know, he
4: asked you that at just like his. When he was just red hot. Yeah, he was, you the, know,
3: and, and the whole scene had blown up in Omaha, you know, the faint cursive there, every, all these bands are just blowing up and, and it's still people talk about the Omaha scene. Like there's an LA thing going on right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and they all are basically playing off the Omaha sound and they'll admit it. And they, they like love it. And actually some of like one of our Chili's uh, keyboard players playing with like Phoebe Bridgers mm. and like all these guys just like you can tell they just love that era and I don't blame them. but There was a real like palpable sound happening. There was something happening there, and it just sort of happened to be that was all of our friends. It's a small city, you know. The the group is very tight knit. The music community, like you know everybody, you've known them for your like forever, and um, these are just your friends. And so we all came out and supported each other so much and. Like our first show, we played this like little dive bar and it was just packed and there was just so many people like the guy from Spoon was there like because he was just in town. Like it was just that was like normal for us. It was such a hotbed that people were coming to Omaha to record. Rilo Kiley recorded there. They become really good friends of ours. We toured with them for like forever, for like five years straight. Of Montreal, same. And these just, you know, became our friends even before we were anybody. And then, you know, Connor asks us to be on his label and it's like, oh, I bet that won't get any press coverage. You know, the fact that this indie wonder kind is like putting out his own label and here's the first band. And so we just popped off. And just
4: immediately, you know, you're working with... You know, one of the best indie producers in the world, uh, Mike Mogus, and
3: it comes as a full package. Omaha is just like this group of people, and they're all just so insanely talented. It's like
4: so, so, it's it was funny to me in a kind of dark way when we started to try to get things going. It was funny yeah. watching her mm-hmm. go into the studio with some of the people we were working with, and just. Watching her slowly realize that not everyone is Mike Mogus.
3: Well, nobody's Mike. Mogus. She's like,
4: <laughs> why? She's she's like, I don't understand. What? Just play the, just you know, play the piano part. But how, how about you do a guitar solo here? And and guys like, uh, I can't play guitar. I can like play <laughs> some
3: keyboard, but like basically we just got to work with the best people in the world just right off the bat and we're so blessed to have that and yeah it's a lot it's a those are big shoes to fill to like when you go to like try it without all that she just thought that's how
4: it was like
3: i did not know but yeah i it that switch over was um definitely like that that happens you know where you think you know what you are you think that's who you are like i had bright, like lavender, silver hair. I looked like rainbow bright. I, I had this whole thing, you know, that I, that that's what I thought I was. And I didn't have any reason to not think that's who I was. That's who I'd been. And, um, but when that stopped and then I had to do my own thing, if i my own voice and figure out my own, like what the truth was, I realized that it was like that whole, you know, typical like ego death thing where you just realize like, that's not who I am. Who am I? If that's not who I am, you know, some scary thoughts and questions pop up that force you to kind of ask yourself big questions and and find find those answers as hard as you can and so while I'm doing that and you know this things keep not working out with uh, my solo thing Uh, I had moved to Kansas City was hoping to like discover you know working with some new people I worked with uh, some great people here really fun stuff started happening but again it just kept not working out for whatever it's like the universe was just like nope That's not what you're going to do. And then one day, this guy pops in on one of my friend's Facebook comments, says something totally crazy. Like, something about. Well, the
4: post was pretty far out, too. uh,
3: It's something about Jesus being an alien. Let's just stop there. (laughs) And if that wasn't weird enough, whatever he said was so weird, it probably just made people go, "Mm?" and it made me go, "Mm?" and I went, that guy, like, I need to. Ask him a question, you know, so we just, we kind of started chatting and really we just chatted about that stuff. We didn't even talk about music for probably four or five months. We just were. Yeah.
4: And, uh, and I was, you know, completely like alone, like no, not part of any scene. Uh, not, no one knew who I was or, but I was a, a red hot fire of ambition and I pretended, I didn't know she was even in music the whole time we were talking, <laughs> the whole time we were talking about all She's these things, the these important play. things. So smooth I was just like, yeah, this is a really smooth way. in." You know, I was just like, we're going to, I was like, this is, this is my ticket, <laughs> but, it, no, no, but, uh,
3: how do you make that sound nicer than it is? It's not, no, no. I
4: mean, everything is real.
3: It's preordained, but pre-ordained.
4: I, I, uh, and it, I wasn't like that, but I was thinking, this is interesting. Here's someone who's, like, legitimately done some things. And it's my first, like, person I've ever been friends with who's who has.
1: Was that intimidating at all? That you had known her music and her experience and being in this and you are you weren't a part of a scene, like you said. Mm-hmm. So was it intimidating, like, especially when you did finally start talking about music? Well,
4: um, No, because I had a few aces up my sleeve. Uh, (laughs) No, we, uh, we, uh,
3: well, first of all, he had, it wasn't, once we started talking about music, he had two albums worth of stuff that he'd made in his basement that sounded like not quite like they were demos. Like, so they, they were amazing. I was like, what, who are you? Like on top of like us connecting, like. Just the two weirdest people. That's the whole why
4: world. it wasn't intimidating, but it was because we connected so big uh apart from music. On a higher level. We, we had already. Mm-hmm. Yeah, connect- yeah, it
3: was already like the bond was just like on un- like there was n- I had never been able to talk to somebody about some things that like were on my mind, like just too far. I mean, I already mentioned Philip. Philip K. Dick's my favorite author. I mean, you can't really find a weirder author, you know. Uh, so th- my mind was already, that's where I lived my daily life, was just on the farthest outreach of, you know, what I thought consciousness was, what I thought the world, what are we living in, what is this place, you know. It's not the kind of talk you have with, like, everybody, you know. So he he immediately went there with me. And so we just bonded over the fact that, like, we might be the only two people that we've ever met each other that we can talk to like that.
4: Yeah, we definitely brought in. She definitely had some things I knew about some things I needed to learn and and I had some things she needed to learn and kind of completed the circle. Yeah. And it's been, um, it's been, you know, what, five, six, six years or something. And so, I mean, as far as the band and stuff goes, it's like we've been made to We've been made to work and start from ground zero. Mm. Uh, As much as we, it's been like, as much as ground zero, it could possibly be other than the fact that some people are kind of interested in what she's up to, you know what I mean? From the, from the past. But besides that, it's like no, no one's handing out anything or it's been like, and I'm, I'm glad it's obviously a total blessing now Because it's like if we would have just got handed something, who knows what crazy directions we would have gone or where we would have ended up. But now we just we know we've learned uh, we've learned our song well before we start singing, you know, Mm -hmm.
3: there's a certain (laughs) we've learned that there's a certain kind of discipline and a certain kind of mindset and certain rules that you have to follow, you know, to get to where you want to go. And if you don't do those, like typically doesn't turn out that great for you, even if you make it there might not work out that great for you. And like I said, we don't, we don't want to burn out like some wonderful legendary artists do, you know, and that's, that's such a, such a sad, like cycle that you see. It's like, these people are just so incredible. They could have gone on and on and just made so much work, but they didn't, they couldn't handle it. They couldn't make it. They had their demons. They couldn't, wrestle them and so like we've just basically been like put through the ringer we've been through the fire we've been through the flood we've been through we have been ripped down to shreds like this is all the last six years it's like that's what the music is it's like we have to put it out because it's somehow it tells our story and it's Mm. and it's it's important it's important part you know and now we feel like we've been made solid like we can now we can be given things like okay here's the right producer like that's how we operate, too. like we we just know these things are gonna happen for us. Mm. you know, we and that's, I think one reason why you probably weren't intimidated to talk to me. We do a lot on, you know, self um, improvement and and things that make you nervous. like you know, going on live TV makes you nervous. It makes anybody nervous. I don't care how many times you've done it. The more you do it, the less I guess intimidating it is. But I don't know. We're just supposed to do things that make you scared. And uh, I think if you don't do that, you really regret it, you know, and also it's like part of what we're doing, you know, Mm -hmm. so we've been finally made pretty sturdy and steady and we're like ready.
1: I mean, you guys have said that, I mean, you've just written so many songs together as a duo. Um, I I remember hearing that, you know, you've sometimes it's I can't remember what you called them in in one interview that I heard, but. Mm you have like this little nugget that was just left over and then Mm -hmm. the other one comes and picks it up and finishes the song. Mm -hmm. Are you guys just constantly writing just all the time? And then you're just passing it back and forth until you're like, Oh, I think we actually have the final product here. That's the
3: way it's been in the past, but it comes,
4: well, it kind of comes in big spurts, but when Mm -hmm. I, I, when I'm, I've gotten kind of attuned to like when things are coming and so like when it's when it's coming i'm i am writing constantly like and he's
3: up in the middle of the night he's up at 6 a.m just to capture
4: you know because it's like that kind of inspiration doesn't it's not a like a, a permanent thing or something so it's like when it comes now i've learned how to just you know milk it for all it's worth
3: and then if he gets to a place where he's like I think you should do the bridge on this like see what you can do load it into your system which means I'll record a demo of it I'll have him I'll be like record to a click he'll record the guitar part he'll do like a vocal pass of the melody if he has a melody or lyrics and then I'll just sit there where the empty space is and see what I come up with and that's how we made most of our songs
4: you know yeah pretty much all of them and then um yeah. And, then we, and
3: then with lyrics it's fun too because he's usually on about something and we'll talk about that like what he's what he's on about and then he'll throw it to me and I don't necessarily have to do what he's doing I don't necessarily have to be saying what he's saying it doesn't really matter and again it's kind of like it's going to come to me I believe it so I know it I already know it so when the words come and I'm like I don't know what that means it doesn't matter it's going to end up meaning exactly what it's supposed to mean it's the cut it's the what is it the cut and the what's his name
4: mm, cut up thing the cut
3: up theory
4: that well yeah there's like real interesting things about you know William Burroughs mm-hmm. talking about his cut up theory like uh but the most interesting thing I've ever heard about it I think oh. he said it uh was when you cut into the present you can predict the future
0: yeah mm.
3: so that's what we're doing um Typically, and I think that's why this this duo like we can't really involve anyone else in like the the real core of our songwriting, because I don't know anybody else who believes like we do about that kind of stuff. Yeah, you know that like we
4: could, it would just we would have to have the sort of final final decision of whether it was used or not. You know what I mean? But you're
3: talking like you know he's writing, he's researching. Other things, old things, uh, taking from whatever, taking from the air, from a sign on the street, you know, um, just, again, believing that it's coming from somewhere and this information is going to, in the present, it's going to affect the future somehow. In a way, we really, we can speculate on. We have a lot of theories about how it's going to affect the future. But, um, yeah, we don't really know.
4: But none we're going to say. No way. <laughs>
1: No way. No <laughs> way. Cut Up is done by taking a finished product, cutting it into pieces, and then rearranging the pieces to make something brand new. Like Jared said, William Burroughs cites T.S. Eliot's 1922 poem The Wasteland, which used newspaper clippings, as an early example of what he made popular. What's interesting is more artists do this than I really previously thought. David Bowie used to use it for some of his lyrics, and Tom York used a similar method in Radiohead's 2000 album Kid A makes you think about the lyrics people learn and sing to themselves so listen a little closer what do you think was inspired what do you think is random this is get me by yes you are If you're enjoying this episode of the Crazyology podcast? Make sure to click subscribe to keep up with new episodes. You can listen to a conversation about classic country music with the Kansas City Cowboy Dusty Rust, listen to folk music by Brooke Blanche and Kelly Hunt, or hear my conversation with strange music artist Mackenzie Nicole. Now, let's get back to my conversation with Kiana Allred and Jared White from the band Yes You Are. I wanted to talk to you about Get Me because it's kind of this funky jazz it kind of has like some sounds in there that like really kind of reminded me of that 80s rock sound that was in there how intentional was that from your guys angle and how much of that was the producer
4: producer 100 oh
3: man that was all greg oh he is so awesome to work with he's like the best vocal producer i actually met him because i did a song with Tiesto, you know, the artist Tiesto, he's a, like a huge, DJ. I don't know if it's EDM. It used to be DJ Tiesto, but now it's just Tiesto. But, um, he loves indie music. He loves all kinds of music and he really wanted to do an album where he, each song featured a different, like, cool indie person. So I got asked to, to, co-write a song with him, which I did over the internet. And, um, we wrote this song together and then he sent me to LA to record with this guy. And he had, this guy had worked with, like, Miley Cyrus and Gwen Stefani mm. and, Goo Goo Dolls. I mean, he's got like, you know, he's got a Grammy. He produced
4: two Kiss albums. Oh, wow. Yeah. No doubt.
3: Lots of no doubt stuff. Lots of awesome 90s stuff. Like, mm-hmm. was it Sheryl Crow or somebody?
4: Uh, I don't you know. worked in a lot. He office.
3: just did a lot of awesome stuff. And it specifically seemed to kind of be geared towards female vocals. And when I worked with him, I literally, he got me to do things I didn't know I could do. And that's what I think a great artist does or a great producer. So he, um, he's got a very just great... Uh, Mind pop, just pop sensibility. So, we, we actually wrote that song together, and he sent me off to write some lyrics. And
4: uh, it started with he sent um, a track he had made for Gwen Stefani, and uh, it started there. And it and sounded he, yeah. a lot different. Uh, oh,
3: yeah, it sounded completely like different. The chorus was the
4: same, like percent different. the chorus was a lot of the same, but like they like, really worked on it a lot and finally came to that funk yeah that sound, sound you're talking
3: about was not involved whatsoever like in the in the first iteration of that song so it was like really fun to see that turn into what it did and it was it was I think it's just fun our guitar player Jacob is he's just such a ham and he just like
4: <laughs> that's Jacob's guitar solo that yeah, he, he played in Kansas mm, yeah
3: he sent it because we were in LA working on that song mm-hmm. and we are like Jacob we need a, a guitar solo for this part you know he sends that back and we're like nervous because we don't know what he's going to do. Jacob's a wild card. I just mean that in the best way.
0: <laughs> Greg but Greg was it.
3: like, yes, this is perfect. And I was like so proud in that moment of, of Jacob. Um, Jacob's nickname is literally Jake Stadium because he only wants to be in a band big enough to play a stadium. No, so no. we have to kind of make that dream come true for him. Yeah, <laughs> That's where he's most comfortable. He, really, he's like one of those people who doesn't get nervous. He's like, where do I stand? Like, let me rip. It, you know? and,
4: oh, man, it's funny because quick story. Him and I, Jake and I were... We're in, we had like a band uh, a, a long time ago, and it was still this stadium thing. We Jake Stadium, we call it. And we lit this band, we only played stadiums. Uh, like we played. At like the, an empty K, KU Memorial football stadium, you know? And then we played like at Missouri Western, but that was our conceit. It's like we would only play stadiums.
3: <laughs> it was a bit of a concept. <laughs> so we played, man. we played
4: to so many like stadiums with like
1: five people in it and stuff. How did, how did they, how did you get these booked? Because I mean, like it's hard enough sometimes mm-hmm. to get a show at, a record bar yeah but you're in an you got a stadium like <laughs> yeah. you convince them to let you go yeah yeah it
4: was like um it was okay so the m- memorial the the ku one we saw that there was a um like an all night um walkathon type thing mm. and so that was okay we can we can get into that stadium mm-hmm. talk our way into that one and uh the, the one in St. Joe was actually uh, – some uh, promoter was doing a thing there. Um, like a festival or something. Yeah. <laughs> and, it, <laughs> and, like, there was barely anyone there. And, like, he, he took a huge bath <laughs> it, on it, a poor yeah. guy. But, like, it was raining. And, oh. uh, in this, and uh, he yeah. had some connections to, like, the military, this guy. And, like, the National Guard came. Like, it was supposed – they were supposed to have some big recruiting – that was going to be part of it, like, oh. and the National Guard came. Um, okay, so there's like maybe like ten people total sitting in the in the middle of the bleachers on the, in this football stadium, and then the National Guard guys came in, like probably forty of them in uniform in a uh, camo uniforms and came in like walking uniform like not not marching but very together and they went up and they all just sat in the top two rows right and then about i would say 10 minutes later all of them at the same time just stood up and walked out and left and didn't come back so some like you know some uh
3: they weren't having it. <laughs> they're, they're, wh- whoever it
4: is, their leader, sergeant, captain guy was like, like, uh, you guys just re- don't want to stay here. Let's go, you know. And no, he
3: probably <laughs> just was like, on the count of three. We're yeah, up and we're, we're done. Leaving. We're
4: not doing this. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that, that was funny. Uh, so then um, what are the stadiums? I
3: can't, uh. We got really off track from getting anyway, them, But Sorry, sorry. But Jacob. <laughs> that's Jacob's whole thing. I think that's very funny, and I'm glad you guys only played stadiums. Yeah. But anyway. Yeah, get me. He sent me off to write lyrics to this song, and I came back with those lyrics, and I think it somehow inspired this whole other version of the song. And so when we came back, and he had like put some funk stuff in there, we were like, oh, okay, that's yeah. fun, you know. But yeah, again, it's like and of course I never we, hated thought, yeah, we, we hated it first time we heard it. We hated it. Just, just he knows that.
4: mortified. But then you know, grew it grows uh, on and you. that happens. Just happens.
3: We actually know that that happens now. So when we hate something, we're like, give it two days. Okay, cool. And we won't talk about it. And both of us will just listen to it separately. And we come back and reconvene. And if it's like, it's not going to work, then then we know. But our initial reaction to some of these is like, just so funny. I love HGX now. I think it's exactly how it needed to sound. But like truly, it spun us into like a, a bad place. And we heard it, we were just like, what? It sounded like techno music to me. I just didn't understand like why it went that direction. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it turned out. It was exactly how it needed to sound.
4: Get Me is a more straight up, like the the lyrics match the music. Yeah, it's fun. Whereas if you listen to the lyrics yeah. of HGX, it's like, what What are they talking about? <laughs> you know, it's <laughs> right. like, uh, I mean, it's got the catchy, we do it because it feels right mm-hmm. chorus, but it's like, it's it, the lyrics are a little uh, more experimental than the production mm-hmm. is.
3: I will Which say on Get Me, though, there are some secrets still. Embedded in those words. Well, every,
4: every song will so, have that, but uh,
3: it might just sound very straightforward, but there's a lot of trickery going on in there. Yeah, that's the most fun part of writing.
1: Like, what kind of I mean, just s- secrets is in like metaphors about your own life, or like secrets is in no no, 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 no,
3: never about our own life. Like, we don't write about our own life at all, really. Yeah, not at all. We write about somebody else's life, like.
4: Yeah. no one would care if I, it was about our own life yeah
3: it's too boring like nobody wants to hear about that
4: <laughs> no, no I mean it's actually not boring at all but that's a cute thing to say yeah but, yeah. <laughs> but not it's not boring I should it, say it's uh, no yeah. one no one would really care if if it was about us.
3: I think everybody has their own reason for writing. And ours just doesn't happen to be that. Because I, you know, there's a lot of artists that write about their life, and people connect with it, and that's great for them. But yeah, we don't write about ourselves at all. So the wordplay is like, there's lots of different things you could talk about.
1: Wordplay is just one of those things in an artist's tool bag. And Yes You Are finds a lot of different ways to incorporate that in their music. Believe. in the sun. Let's talk about the demo version of this one though. What does the significance does the song title have to the song itself and what's the, how did that song basically come together?
3: I think that's when I started.
1: She
4: started with that, that flute riff thing that she made on the computer.
3: So I think that whole like that, what is it like creativity comes out of necessity kind of thing. Like I'm not a trained musician. I don't know how to do much. So I had to like figure out how to make stuff on GarageBand. So a lot of the stuff that I would make would be like I'd be using my own voice because I didn't know how to play an instrument. Mm. So I would kind of like cut and chop it and make weird things. And, you know, I would cut weird loops together. And so that song and typically how we write is like it originates with one or the other of us. Like it's never like we just don't sit down and write together. I don't know. That's just not how we do it. So this one originated that way. And um, I just had a lot of fun making that kind of landscape happened at the beginning and then um, one way that we write is that Jared Jared compiles lines and um, phrases and words and they all just little bits of Mm -hmm. of words that are going to end up as lyrics maybe and so what he'll do is he'll, he'll send me that as a note and it's just this long you know it's coming from various places right so to me it just you know I don't have to know what it's about so That's a really fun example of the cut, the cut method, because I'll sit there and I'll say, I'm going to sing this one and I'll create a melody with all these different parts. And it could be from like, you know, and I could open another document and and then I put a song together and then it comes out as that song. See what I'm saying, and it's like, how do I know what that's about? You know what I yeah. mean? And but it starts to, it, it also starts to kind of show you a little bit. So I start to have an idea of what it's about to me. Like I said, he can pass me a song and say, "This is what I'm on about." But then I don't. I can just throw that out the window and say, "Well, I'm going to say this," and it still kind of comes together.
4: So. But as we're thinking about uh, secret sun or uh, straight into the sun, I. Uh, Here's here's one of the reasons why maybe we're a little reluctant to be enthusiastic about the album, Here's to the Great Unknowns, is because uh, as we're learning who we are and stuff, we didn't quite understand that the songs weren't supposed to be about us yet. We do now. But I think one of the reasons we're besides production is that we're kind of like, "Eh." it's because actually some of these songs not get me at all, but like something like Straight Into the Sun. It's a little too much about.
3: It's not about uh, our lives, but it's like, us. (laughs) it's about us like trying to just having an outlet to talk about what we were going through, which like I'm sure you're gathering was extreme. It was extreme odyssey that we were going through together, which I thank God every day because like, I mean, there were days, you know, I was, I just felt like if I didn't have him, like some of these epiphanies I was having, I mean, it's like, I mean, you'd have to like, I had to read the definition of kind of what those things meant because I didn't understand what was happening to me. It was so crazy. I mean, just like shaking, like all the like explosions of light, like just like crazy, crazy, crazy things. Crazy to me. You know, I'm not like... There's nothing special about me, nothing like that. But this was happening to me and I didn't understand it. So, like, I could, you know, bounce ideas off of him. And, like, we were really there for each other through a lot of really crazy moments and rocky times. And uh, we were, like, writing about that. Not like, oh, I want to write about my sadness or anything. It was just kind of like, what is happening to us? Let's try and, like, talk about it, like, as a therapy even. So,
4: But the idea is, as we go on, like, you won't be able to find any trace of us anymore in any of the songs
3: we have left the building
1: that's it for today's episode of Crazology. today's episode was produced by myself kendall swank with production assistance and editing done by mike simpson and production assistance from stephen trammell check out the other podcasts from fox 4 kansas city at fox4kc.com until next time this is straight into the sun by yes you are